Before we begin today's story, I want to take a moment to talk about how you can support this show and the work being done with the project. Everything I do is in joyful service of the same goal, to help people connect with their shared lived experiences so that we may heal together from the inside out. Asking for money, or any help for that matter, is not something that comes naturally to me, especially when I have a paying job and people naturally might assume that I can keep up with the pace. So instead of burning myself out, I'm practicing what I preach and asking for the support I need to keep going. In order to justify the time it takes to write and produce this podcast and its accompanying newsletter, I'm asking for your support. Your subscription for $5 a month, and that's it, makes it all possible. If you're a free subscriber, you get my weekly story project newsletter and my What's Your Story podcast episodes for free, delivered right to your inbox without doing anything at all. And it's important to me that everyone who wants access to my content can get it, regardless of their means. But if you're looking for something specific, more personal and connected, then upgrading your subscription for $5 a month is the way to do it. You get everything that I've already listed above, plus and add a new layer of interactive features beyond the typical podcast offerings of ad-free listening, such as full access to my regular subscriber Q&As, where each week I answer a handful of reader questions about mental and physical health, as well as share some of the deeper details from the stories you hear right here on the podcast. You get periodic Google Meet hangouts with me, bonus episodes of this podcast, and the ability to pitch stories and or ideas for the newsletter. Not to mention access to my full archive of content, and other fun extras like live chat sessions and more. Buckle up, because becoming a paid member of this newsletter and its accompanying podcast is now the best way to support my content and to become a more active part of the storyteller community. Even without using any of the new features I listed, becoming a paid subscriber means that you're committing to helping me grow this platform and share stories in order to bring people closer together and collectively heal From whatever troubles us, the United States faces an unprecedented surge of drug deaths, with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reporting another grim milestone recently. In a single 12-month period, fatal overdoses claimed 101,000 lives. But researchers and drug policy experts say the grim toll obscures an important and hopeful fact. Most Americans who experience alcohol and drug addiction survive. They recover and go on to live full and healthy lives. Americans often see the more destructive side of addiction, drug crime, people slumped in doorways, and family members who are spiraling downward. Less visible, though, are the people who survive the illness and rebuild their lives. We are literally surrounded by people who are in recovery from a substance use disorder, but we don't know it. Lindsay is one of those success stories. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media... I'm JD, and this is story number 38 of the What's Your Story podcast, Breaking Barriers. Um, my name is Lindsay. Um, I'm 35 years old. I live in Florida. Um, I'm a certified addiction counselor in Florida. Um, 
and I'm a national, nationally accredited alcohol and drug counselor, which is super crazy to say that. It sounds so weird coming out of my mouth uh, yeah. um, because I myself was, um, you know, I struggled with substances for a long time, actually, um, for years. And so I, I came into my own recovery. So that is what I do now is try to help others that were struggling in similar ways that I was with, you know, mental health and, you know, and, and yeah. drug addiction. Um, yeah. And, you know, I work for a treatment center now. It's like an in-home treatment center kind of concept. And nice. it's, it's very new for me. It's, it's been like, six months I've worked here and I'm very um very I'm like pleasantly surprised at at how this all works and, <laughs> and I used to work at for the past 10 years I've worked at inpatient treatment centers and so this is like we go to their the the, the home is oh, the treatment yeah. center and it's yeah 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 it's like so it incorporates you know their daily living it's not like you're in this bubble for yeah. 30 days 60 days 90 days so kind of like um Kind of like a like a um, like hospice care for somebody that's like going through like cancer treatment I, or you know like you don't necessarily don't necessarily need to go to the hospital all the time right. for it. You know, you're kind of just at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, so cool. it's me and so they have their own treatment team, like me and another um, recovery advisor, and then a clinical care coordinator. It's re it's really cool. So the whole concept yeah. is, is opened my eyes a lot to the different possibilities and care of addiction. Possibilities, yeah. It's, it's quite yeah. it's cool. Um, that's cool. I don't think I've, I don't think I realized that that was a um, either. I don't know a lot of things when it comes to addiction, so I'm about to learn a lot from your story. But yeah, I don't think I realized that that was even a, a thing. Like that, that, but it like that makes sense. Like, why aren't you? Yeah. You know, like why aren't you treating people like that? You know, like in their homes or you know where they're at least comfortable, at least to begin with. Right. You know, um, yeah. So, what got you to this point then? Ooh, um, so much. Uh, what got me to this point? Well, I think, I think, you know, when I, when I got a year sober and I'll start before that, but when I got a year sober, I, um, got offered a job. I, I, I begged for a job at, at the treatment center that I went through and got sober at. And I stayed sober through 12 step fellowships, um, initially and after treatment and throughout treatment. And, when I got a year sober, they offered me a job there, um, you know, just to work mm. around the clients and in the office, not not yeah. a counseling position or anything like that. That took me years and years to to be able to work up to that point. But um, like a health technician, behavioral health technician, they call them um, yeah. just helping and around the houses that they stayed in inpatient treatment centers. And I've worked at five other treatment centers since then, which has been wild. And I've done admissions and uh, mental health, PTSD, uh, veterans, PTSD treatment, um, inpatient center, just a lot of different stuff that I never thought that I would be doing yeah. because, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like I said, I, I'm 35 now and I, I went to treatment myself for drug addiction and, and co-occurring disorders, um, in 2000. 2013 was the final, the, the last time I went to treatment and, and got sober. Um, but it was a, 
a long journey before that, even though I am, you know, yeah. I was what, 24, but it seemed like, you know, I had, I had really, uh, reached my bottom quite quickly. Um, yeah. And, but I am grateful for that, which sounds kind of like, what, you know, but yeah, right. <laughs> but I am grateful that I did have such a low bottom for myself, which was, you know, jails and institutions, um, you know, uh, really call, you know, psych wards or whatever they call them in mental health inpatient places. Um, the psych holds for 72 hours. I experienced that quite a yeah. few times, um, throughout, throughout those, um, days, but, um, you know, all of it kind of, all of it is kind of a blur now in a weird way. It feels like a different person. Um, and I, yeah. I just, I can imagine it. Does, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just talking to, talking to you and others now about it is so surreal because I remember, you know, when I was 16, 15 and 16 <laughs> years old, I, I, I don't know, like, if the mental health came before, I mean, you know, the symptoms or the addiction, or if I was trying to um, kind of medicate, self-medicate myself with, you know, my depression and stuff with, with drugs and alcohol. I don't know, but um, I just knew that I was in like crisis mode at like 15, 16 years old. And I thought yeah. I found a solution with alcohol that this is going to make me feel whole or better. Um, because I kind of, it was like, you know, high school, ninth grade, wanting to fit in, Yeah, and, you know, I was going to say, I mean, that's, that's like the, like the, like hands down the worst time period of your life, no matter what happens in your adult life. Cause there's everything changing, you know, from like the middle school age, like, you know, on until high school. I mean, your, your brain doesn't really solidify everything until you're like 24, 25 anyway, but Right. Everything is changing at that point, you know, biologically, you know, psychologically, physically, you know, like all these things are happening. And it's like, if you're not aware of it, mm -hmm. number one, and, and the people around you are not aware of it, then, you know, you're, you're searching. Absolutely. Um, that's exactly what it, that's exactly what it came down to. Um, yeah. It, you know, and cause we're going, we're going through all those growing pains and everything and, I don't, you know, I'm like, who yeah. am I? What am I, you know, and you want to fit in and, you know, just all that stuff at once. And so searching for something to feel okay. And, you know, I drank and, and I was like, okay, maybe this, you know, my self-esteem, my, my confidence, it, it wasn't real, yeah. but to me it was at that time, you know, it, yeah. made, it gave me courage. How does, how does that occur? How does that occur though at, at like a young age? Like where does that where like where did the ideas come from, um, or where did even like the the thought process? Because uh, I can't even I, looking back on you know my time period. Then like for starters, I mean my parents just aren't like we're never drinkers. Like I think I maybe saw them like you know on special occasions mm -hmm. on that, and they still aren't. And it wasn't like they like this is bad stuff. Like don't go near it. It's just not who they ever were but then i also didn't have like friends around me that like were like interested in that so i don't know if it was like the perfect right. you know perfect rainbow not the perfect storm the perfect rainbow of like not being around that or that is you know what but like there. where did that where do you think looking back where do you think that kind of became an option for you maybe i should say it like no, that. no that's perfect um 
see the thing is too is so my parents i'm an only child and my parents um never never drank my dad had been sober for since i was three actually he had been sober and we we kind of had similar experiences but i didn't know that until i got older um and so i kind of behaved a little bit like he did with the alcohol and other substances but um, yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, my parents are just always like, you know, it, it runs in your family. Stay away from it. And I was like, I did the yeah. D.A.R.E. program. I'm like so into it. I'm like, I'm never going to use yeah. do this. And so it, it is. It's fascinating. It's, it's very um, I don't I don't really know. I think I think maybe, you know, I remember being in ninth grade and, and honestly hearing a girl, this pretty girl and all the guys were talking to her. And I remember her saying, um, oh, I got drunk at the football game. And it's so weird that this sticks out to me this many years later. But I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh. Like, they're all talking to her. And, like, you know, and, like, I saw that. that. And I'm like, yeah. maybe that's yeah. what, you know, I need to do. And I need to dress like that. And, you know, and, and whatever. So I think it kind of culminated from from different um, experiences and and knowing that, even yeah. though I knew, like, this is bad, this is bad, don't do this. And I am, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna try it. And I, I did. And I went to yeah. a football game drunk and I got in trouble. And um, and it was a horrible experience. And I don't want to say like I was a goody-goody, but I kind of was, like, very, um, like, teacher's pet, kind of, <laughs> when I was younger. And, you know, I had a just not expected. Yeah, right? it was very, it was very unexpected. Yeah. I very, um, my mom kept a really good watch over me. I guess you could say it was very. Um, yeah. I was in gymnastics. I went to gymnastics and competed um, in gymnastics tournament tournaments. Like, God, I would say like I was in gymnastics like three, four days a week, like after school. So I was yeah. very busy. We lived in a nice neighborhood. Went to Disney every Sunday. Um, <laughs> like it was kind of a perfect childhood. Um, so it, 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 I don't know. It's very weird. It's very weird. And yeah. I question it to this day. Like, how did that happen? This podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year, I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is, we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships, or simply not dealing with stress very well. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what Online therapy is really about this. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. 
And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Um, And same with like the mental health. I just remember being 16 years old and I'm like, I don't feel right. And I'm like, mom, I'm like, I'm depressed, but I don't, I don't really know what was contributing factors at that time. I don't remember, you know what I mean? Like, or probably didn't even know what that means. I mean, even as adults, you know, we're like, (laughs) you know, you, you think depressed is, you know, crying on a, on a cloudy day and it's, it's not, you could be smiling and sunny but in the back of your head like you, you don't see any hope you know like we, we ha- we're confused so very confused yeah you know especially when you're when you're that age it's like i, I always it, my wife and i were middle school teachers for years um oh. and we have a two-year-old and a nine-month-old at the moment and it's funny like knowing what we know from a teaching standpoint and you know how we were trained as montessori teachers mm-hmm. to to look at the stages of development that our nine month old, our two year old, and you know, the middle schoolers we taught and ourselves, we're all the same. We just have different understandings of what we're going through. Mm. Like my son cried this morning because mom left and he's never done that. Like he's he's fine, but it's like what range of emotion and he's now able to verbalize that. Whereas this nine month old does the same thing. Like she'll she'll cry if mom just steps out of the room, right? right? But she doesn't know what that means. Mm-hmm. He knows what that means. I can probably so it's just Very you know true. It's just interesting to like hear that, you know, at 15, 16, that here's what you're going through. And you were able to say that, like, this is what you're feeling, but you still, right. still don't know what that actually means, you know? <laughs> no. And so you look to find what's going to help you find meaning in that or who's going to define that word for you. Very excellent um, point. Let's, it <laughs> is. Yeah, because I, I, I don't, I don't know. I just know that, um, sorry. I just know that, um, it was very difficult for me and and I know that the brain you know my brain has conveniently forgot a lot of stuff I believe you know that was maybe traumatic to me um yeah and I think a lot of those times and that's probably why a lot of it is a blur um my brain has tried to like block out and like oh maybe it wasn't that bad or um yeah it's very interesting and I I'm still like years later like you know, I'm constantly working on myself and, um, you know, trying to like look at those things from the past and not in, not in the aspect of like dwelling on them, but just to look how things connect. And like you said, development, like, you know, I'm in school right now and I'm taking a class, human development, um, in the lifespan and wow, like I'm learning so much that I never I never realized like how everything contributes to it, you know, the environment and everything yeah. like that. It's fascinating. Do you, do you look back though? Like you said, like, you know, it's kind of like blocked out in a sense. And some people, you know, you certainly do that because it's like, I don't want to process that, but it sounds like, you know, not only just physically going to recovery, but here, you know, being somebody that's there to help somebody like heal and, and support their journey. Do you feel like, you're blocking out or, you know, that being fuzzy has a different, different meaning than, than, you know, somebody that would be like, no, like that was like the worst time I'm not dealing with this right Um, now. And then, you know, lo and behold, like years later, it blows up in their face or. No, I think that it's, I've had to deal with it and come to terms with it. Like little by little as it's gone along. I think that, um, I think that maybe I've, maybe I'm just, um, 
I'm so used to it being a part of my life too, that in telling my story so many times, because now it's, it's kind of a part of my job in a way, not to tell my story, but to relate and to, you know, I can self-disclose a little bit. Um, and I, I will, I choose to disclose certain events or things that may benefit the client to, you know, but I, I try not to go in too much, but so I think maybe I'm just so used to it too. And maybe it's, maybe it's not just, um, protecting myself. I think it was like that for a long time though, until I got sober and then it was like, oh, because things started coming up and I'm like, did that really happen? Like I, yeah. I didn't, and then I'm like, yeah, that that definitely, definitely happened. Um, that definitely yeah. did. Because <laughs> you know. So go go from the the football game. Oh yeah. Then, okay. And and where this experience happened, that like what what continued to to occur, and why did it? Knowing what you know, as far as like you know the fact that here was your family background, like that's not that's out of character for you. I won't even say it like you were right. You know the teacher's pet kind of thing was just out of character, but how did it continue that knowing that you said, like you said that, you know, you felt awful. Um, yeah. What made it, what made it go on, um, for snowball, I guess. Absolutely. Um, mostly I think so. Okay. So after that night, um, I got kicked out of school. Um, I had to go to a secondary school uh, for the rest of the year. That was my third year. Wow. Um, that was a freshman year of high school. Wow. Um, yeah. and so I went there the rest of the year and kind of just, I learned, I picked up some, picked up different kind of things that I'd never been exposed to before there, like different, sure. yeah, different types of, um, childhoods, you know, different stories, things like that, that I hadn't really been exposed to growing up. And, um, so I started like seeing and learning different things and um so I started sneaking out and just um it was it was almost like it wasn't to like just be like get in trouble or do anything like that it was I just remember doing what felt good if that makes sense yeah yeah because I felt like I was so growing up sucked and and high school sucked and everything else. <laughs> and so this was, yeah. this was like my way of like maybe having control of, control of the situation yeah. with everything I'm, you know, I'm growing up and all this, everything else being out of my control. It was like, okay, this is my relief. Um, this is, yeah. And, and I messed up my gymnastics. You know, I, I don't want to, I wasn't interested in doing that anymore. And I had worked my whole life competing and, and doing all that and um I had a full ride to college and I I messed that up um and what what I think takes precedence is is after a while I got so used to going to that drink or a drug that eventually it's like it's a no it's a no-brainer like my brain finds shortcuts and it's like yeah that's gonna work that's gonna make you that's your coping skill like Knowing though, eventually, and it sounds, it, it really sounds wild to myself even saying this, that eventually when years down the line, you know, cause it just gets worse. It progresses. The alcoholism and addiction. Sure. And, um, I found that to be true in my experience, despite 
always hearing that from others. It is true. Yeah. Uh, for me. And um, it just started occurring more and more and more. Um, you know, partying wasn't just partying anymore. It was, it was daily life. It became, well, I can't go to a job interview. I can't do this. I can't work. I can't talk to people. I can't do this. If I don't have some kind of medicine or, you know, yeah. something. And then on top of it, my mental health compounded it. You know, the anxiety, the depression. Um, they by, yeah. they they diagnosed me bipolar at one point, um, which years later they said, you know, the, the psychiatrist is like, well, I don't know because you were using at the time and it mimics it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, well, what's going on? Um, yeah, but the thing is too now, you know, like eventually it, it did, it snowball snowballed out of control to where I got in trouble. And I knew it was like, Lindsay, like, I can't not do it. And it, and it sounds yeah. weird, but it was like, I'm going to go out and drink tonight and, or do drugs. Um, you know, and I was, you know, heroin, crack, fentanyl. I was, I was doing all that at, um, I was an IV user, um, and and that that came later. I never thought I would be like that. You know, that wasn't yeah. that wasn't something I ever saw. It was not normal to me. That was you know, you're bad. That's bad. That's bad. And that's my belief. Yeah. And eventually, it was like everything changes. Yeah. Your the mind is just yeah. so powerful. Um, how it took over, and I think that's kind of how it how it went for those years it progressed and um kind of down the line like you know the tolerance goes up and i'm exposed to more and then more more things happen while under the influence or while trying to obtain drugs and alcohol or in those situations that then i have to hide it more and i have to use more and yeah um you know the trauma and this and that and so Eventually it came to a head and how old was I? I, well, I, well, I kept getting arrested, you know, forgot about that. Um, I would black out drunk and that's another thing too. It's like, well, if you keep blacking out drunk and you keep getting arrested, you keep getting, you keep getting trouble. Why don't you stop? It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'd like to, I liked to, I I wish I could have. Um, I did try with everything, everything in me. I tried. Um, for so long, but I think that what I think now looking back on it is that there was such a strong drive to not feel the way that I felt inside that I was willing to risk those consequences. Like I knew eventually like, this is probably going to happen. You're going to black out. You're going to get in trouble. You're probably going to get arrested again because you keep getting arrested and waking up in jail, DUI, um, you know, battery charges, just really crazy stuff out of character that just crazy stuff yeah yeah, not even was like not me and and a lot of shame comes with that that sure i had to work through too because if i keep that shame keep you know if if that stays um then i'm going to continue to do what i'm doing i'm going to keep using because that is the same thing that goes on yeah yeah that guilt and shame is the worst feeling for me um it really did it but yeah and I, I finally um I got arrested like 10 times and 
um, detox in jail. And I knew this wasn't normal. I don't want this to keep happening, but I couldn't stop it. It was like something hijacked my brain. Um, and, um, everything was just bad. And finally I ended up going to prison in 2012, 2000, 2011, 2012. And I was drug free and substance free for the whole time. I got in some medications that worked really well. And since I'm yeah. not on substances, you know, on drugs and alcohol, those antidepressants and, you know, mood stabilizer had a chance to work. <laughs> finally, yeah. like, like, yeah. go figure, like, they don't work when you're drinking, Lindsay, you know, <laughs> like, amazing but how that works. It's something to say, though, that, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, excuse me if it sounds like a, like a simple analogy, but no. like, you know, just looking at somebody that's going through just, you know, just not even chronic anxiety or chronic stress, but like acute stress, like, you know, you've got those same things that you're saying, like, I don't, I don't know what else to do. Like, you know, I don't know how to, how to but this is working. So you, and like, people can tell you all the time, right? Like, and they're, they're unhelpful sayings, relax, calm down. Like yeah. that, like same, same thing, just magnified now. Like just stop drinking, like just stop taking drugs, just stop doing it. But it's not that easy on any level, right? I mean, it's clearly, I mean, here's the most extreme level and yeah. I know the right thing to say. And even in my head, as you're talking, I'm like, why didn't you just stop, <laughs> right. you know? And, but like, I mean, that's a perfect example. I mean, it's the same thing. Like yeah. if I'm stressed out or if, I have a friend or family member that's stressed out. Like all you want to say is like, well then don't do that, you know, but we forget that it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. Cause like you said, your mind is so powerful and it has its own ways of trying to protect you. Right. Right. And now working with others, um, it's so interesting. If my thought goes to that, my first thought is like, well, Hey, what, but, but why are you, what, what are you doing? Like, and then yeah. I'm like, <laughs> kind of laugh at myself because well, I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, you know, so it is, it's, it's like instinctively I go there. Um, and you know, I want to say, because it's, because it seems so simple and it's not for us, you know, it's not for anybody. Yeah. Um, but one thing that, you know, I wanted to share that I learned along the way is for so long, I thought there's something wrong with me and yeah, this really stuck with me until like just recently, like just the past few years, I started coming to terms with this, that there is nothing quote unquote wrong with me. You know, I, I really thought mm. like, I'm totally like different from these people um, from, I'd say they're normal people, normies and um, kind of put myself in this category because I thought that identifying with, other um, recovering addicts and alcoholics and calling myself a addict and alcoholic was what was best for me. And, and maybe it was at the time, you know, maybe that's, yeah. that, that was okay. Um, but eventually I found that I'm like attaching a stigma to my own self, if that makes sense. Huh. Like, I know interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very interesting for me to kind of come, to, come to terms with this the last maybe like two, three years. And I realized that I am, my self-talk, I am kind of criticizing myself inside and I didn't realize it, you know, to yeah. being like, you're not the same as that person. You can't do this. You yeah. can't do that. You're not normal. You know, you, you're, you're just a whatever, you know, insert here, yeah. alcoholic addict and this and that. And then, you know, I got sick of that and I'm like, you know, what? I'm not like, I'm not 
an alcoholic, an addict. Like that's not all that I am, you know. I'm I'm recovered. I'm recovering whatever you want to say and and I'm just normal. Um and I can do anything that they can do, you know. I'm I'm on medications now um for my mental health and and I don't mess with them because you know, and I have to yeah. see my psychiatrist. I've seen him for the same the same one for 15 20 years now and so he knows me but I don't mess with that stuff like I know like I have to stay um on my kind of own treatment plan I guess you would call it um because you know if one thing falls I don't want the whole the whole if one thing falls in my foundation yeah you know um the whole house is gonna fall down I can't um I can't risk it I can't risk relapse um yeah. depression that is very scary for me to go into that low low spot i've had relapses over the years to where i got into that low spot of depression well, sure. and to where i was like i'm gonna myself or i'm gonna pick up and i ended up picking up yeah. you know my mind tricked me but now i know what to watch out for and i yeah. like danger zone i get into and i'm like stay away no, and that's <laughs> you know yeah. i mean and that's what you gain from it all you know i mean I, I, I dislike when people tell you that, like, here's, you know, six ways to, to cure this, you know, yeah. m- mental health issue or 10 ways to, to end anxiety for or whatever forever. And it's just not going to be the case because, yeah, I no. mean, nobody can predict what's going to happen later. But what you can do is look at what's happened to you and know that when something happens again, and it sure will, here's what's working now. Here's mm-hmm. what I can do to to hold myself up. It may not, it may not exactly be the fix all for this situation, but at least it'll help me, like you know, clear ahead. Um, right. That's it's 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 it gets it's kind of refreshing to hear you say that because I mean, most people, you're right. I mean, they put that label and it's like, oh no, mm-hmm. I'm you know, not doing this again. But it's right, <laughs> and, and then they're, then they're gone, and then they spend their whole lives like in that just box. And it's like, nope, if I stray from this, I'm going to be lost again. It's not. It's just you know. Mm-hmm. Now you know this about yourself, um, right? It's like I trust yeah. myself a little more than I did yeah. yesterday. Yeah. That's you a know? good way to put it. I mean, you trust yourself more now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just, just the different experiences and and you know these the mis- the the mishaps, the the recurrences of you know relapses. I call them recurrences yeah. now, but um, of drugs and alcohol that I've had, you know that that doesn't make me a failure. It's and that's how I looked at it. And, and it would keep me from wanting to get back Better. on track. Yeah, I can and, see that. Yeah. And then now I have to look at it like that was, I didn't lose all that time learning about myself. And maybe I, you know, I, I went back to that old coping skill and, you know, and I, I know differently now. And so I just have to keep yeah. managing my my um mental health my you know i just got to stay on the right track and like i got to do these things and um you know i'm grateful that things got so bad so that i have a chance to see how good things can be and like what good is for myself like yeah like i have had that to compare to and and if i it didn't get so bad i wouldn't have gotten better i wouldn't have yeah i wouldn't have looked at treatment as you know, I, I, I got I got I can't do this anymore. I, I need something. help, you know, and I went to, yeah. I put myself in treatment after prison. Um, and so that's 
when that began. You know, I had to do that. Yeah. I just knew I can do it on my own. I tried so many times to stop. And, sure. you know, between and the mental health so, and that. Yeah. And so putting yourself in treatment and ultimately here, like continuing to work in treatment, like, do you feel that that's like part of your recovery process or did the two kind yeah. of, you know, they're still intertwined, but like they're two separate entities. Like, how did you, um, I think how did that you come across this? I think that they are, that's a good question too. A lot of people ask me that. Um, it's part of my recovery to a certain extent. Like yeah. it is intertwined, but I also, I've learned over the years too, because of burnout and stuff, um, just being in a helping profession that I've, I, I cannot pour from an empty cup, you know? And, sure. and everybody would say that to me and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's day, yeah. right. And yeah. it's so true because nope. I can get in that burnout and to where I'm just like not taking care of myself. So yeah. that's, I try to just really focus on the self care too. And, um, it can be hard sometimes, but just focusing on that, sure. you know, I have to, but yeah, it's, it, it helps me because I love being surrounded by it and I love helping people. And that is, that is part of it. Help. I tell my clients too. I'm like, you may not believe me, but me helping you yeah. like helps me probably just as much, yeah. if not more as helping you. Like, so, you know, a community of connectedness there that, you know, it's like I said in the beginning, like it's it, the, the phrase, you know, misery love company should have more to it is it's not, it's just the company. It's the fact that, something you know you can be gleaned from the fact that we're experiencing something similar you you know you you have a completely different story than i do but you know there's at least something in there that goes wait a minute like i i wasn't even thinking about that as an option or you know what like mm -hmm. you know that makes a lot of sense something right um right. to be learning yeah. from that and it's it's good to hear yeah and it's like it's creating um it's creating not comparison, but relating to each other more. I think. Yeah. I think that's a big benefit of hearing other stories because I could I could sit there and be like, oh gosh, you're, you're like you said, like your story is totally. I don't, you know, the, you're bad. That, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> I no, didn't do that. But it's like looking at the similarities, and it's like <laughs> those feelings are very similar, different, yeah. different underlying feelings for us. Yeah. Crazy. Well, thank you for sharing. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories, they're all yours, listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that rang a bell with you today or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you can just tag the show at at StorySharingPod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.